0: I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological.
1: Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right! What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Tuesday, March the 13th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I am battling a bit of a cold, so bear with me here as we have several news items to cover. As Miami says so long to another stalwart on the roster, we'll discuss the ramifications of and Consue's release, plus a potential Jawan James extension in the works, and a few names Miami will target in free agency that have been leaked. We'll go over those, and also how likely is a Dolphins trade up on draft day? And lastly, we're going to try to finish the Twitter mailbag from last week. So plenty to get to. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfell NFL and follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out lockdowndolphins.com. We have tons of news items getting added to the site every day now. We were first on the beat with Lawrence Timmons' release as well as N'Damakin Sue's. So check that stuff out. And of course, the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown Heat podcast and Lockdown NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and just get right into first down here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast.
0: That's another Miami Dolphins!
1: And it is the first down on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and Dama sue is released from the Miami Dolphins, or at least they expect to do that on Wednesday once they can officially make that move happen. And the numbers on this are, you know, I'll I'll be honest with you guys and just kind of tell you, the salary cap to me is not my specialty. It's not my area of expertise. Math is a roadblock in my college education, something I have struggled with my entire life. So I will defer to someone that does numbers professionally, and of course I'm talking about CK Parrott on Twitter, Chris Kaufman, talking about the deal, and just a few tweets he says here, once the Dolphins made it through the first three years of Sue's contract, they could view his remaining years as a series of one-year deals. Miami has apparently said no to giving the 31-year-old All-Pro a one-year, $17 million contract. What would be a mistake, in my opinion, would be to view Sue as developmental Sign that Miami's playing something huge. They tend to be a splashy team under Mike Tannenbaum, but they needed to free up cash commitments to Sue. And Jarvis Landry, just to get back in line with longer-term budgeting, people worry way too much about salary cap accounting, which is a maze of accounting accruals. Cash is the most important thing. Miami has spent 20 million more cash over the last three years than the NFL has given them in budgets, and that debt will catch up with you. So the Dolphins, by doing this, can go ahead and designate him as a June 1st cut, which takes his cap figure from 26 million down to 9 million. So the relief that they're getting isn't necessarily right away, it certainly helps them in terms of long-term cash, but it's more of a 2019 move in terms of freeing up cash for the Miami Dolphins, and so they're going to lose their best player as a result of that, their best defensive player easily by far, on that interior of the defensive line. He doesn't miss games, he's played 85% of the snaps, give or take, every single year, and they're going to have to have guys behind him step up, and and the guys that obviously fulfill that role are the two rookies from last year, Devon Gottschall and Vincent Taylor, who both had very nice rookie years, Vincent Taylor more as a run-stuffing you know, space-eating type of defensive tackle, while Devon Godshot has a very good low pad level, can eat up some blocks in the running game as well. And then Jordan Phillips, the guy that absolutely has to step up because he is now the the top dog in that room, in that interior defensive line room. He has to have a big year, a contract year in 2018, and freeing up that money now allows the Dolphins to hopefully mitigate the problems they've had in the past in terms of letting their own guys walk in free agency, talking about Jarvis Landry, Richard Matthews, Charles Clay, Olivier Vernon, to name a few And hopefully the Dolphins can go ahead and roll this money into guys like Bobby McCain. And if Jordan Phillips does step up and show you that he can be that number one defensive tackle and a guy the Dolphins can get behind, then he would earn himself a new contract. So hopefully this money goes towards guys like that rather than just kind of free agent splashes the Dolphins like to make over the course of the last, I don't know, decade or so. And the other idea behind this move is talking about potential locker room types of chemistry and character, the concerns that they have with several players. And we went back to last year talking about the Baltimore Ravens game, a 40 to nothing beat down put on the Dolphins by the Baltimore Ravens. And afterwards, Adam Gaze took to the podium for his press conference and threw players, not by name under the bus, but he definitely made his point heard that he was sick of guys that aren't putting the time, maybe after hours, guys that aren't in their playbook and they're not there for the right reasons, are doing things for themselves only, and what do you know, Jay Ajayi is gone, Jarvis Landry's on the chopping block or on the trading block, so to speak, now he's officially gone, you know, six months later or whatever it is, and now Ndamukong Kinsu also out. We talked about Ndamukong Kinsu being one of those guys that worked out on his own, he went back home to Portland to do his own workouts in the offseason, always skipped the offseason program, that type of thing, so maybe he's a little bit more concerned about himself and his individual status than he is the team status. And that's something that Adam Gaze wants to go ahead and clear out whether it'll work or not. We have no idea. There is a hint of chip Kelly to this, which is absolutely terrifying for doll fans. But the number one thing you have to keep in mind is that Adam Gaze is making these moves under the umbrella of Stephen Ross saying, you are our guy. You can go ahead and do whatever you want. You can blame this on Mike Tannenbaum, but Adam Gaze wants to get this roster looking the way he wants it to go ahead and put the guys that he wants on the roster to play the game the way he wants it to be played. So, whether or not it's a good thing, we'll we'll find out. We'll see. But That's kind of the direction they're going with. And speaking of players coming and going, it sounds like the Dolphins are going to go ahead and offer Jawan James, a new contract reported by Armando Salguero, that the Dolphins are exploring a long-term extension to keep Jawan James in Miami for the foreseeable future, give them book-end tackles at either side. Obviously, Laramie Tunzel, left tackle, and Jawan James, your right tackle. And just going over the average per year contracts of right tackles in the NFL Lane Johnson the guy that everyone thought Miami was trading up for back in 2013 when they took Deion Jordan he leads the pack at 11.25 million dollars per year next is Ricky Wagner who signed last offseason for nine and a half million dollars per year and Morgan Moses got eight million dollars per year so you have to figure Jawan James is somewhere in that range right now he's on the books for nine million dollars a year if the Dolphins can extend him and get him a longer term deal get that deal stretched out and go maybe towards 7 to $8 million per year. You'd have to feel a lot better about him in terms of getting the offensive line short up and having Juwan James back on a team-friendly deal, something they can keep him in-house and kind of feel good about the fact that they won that contract. So that's something he'd probably be looking at. And right now they're saying the ball is in his court in terms of finding out if he's going to be here long-term and if he's not. It sounds like... He's going to have to go ahead and take that team friendly deal to make it happen because he can probably get more than that on the open market. But we'll see what Juwan James does. But as it stands right now, there is an offer on the table, and the Dolphins are hoping to get him back. And that will help take us into our next segment talking about potential free agent targets that are already being linked to Miami as the legal tampering period is now open here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL, at Lockdown Fins. And as you listen to this podcast, there's about 24 hours away until the new league year starts and free agency officially begins. And as I record this on Monday night, we're talking about some players that have already been linked to Miami in potential free agency contracts. And the three names being circulated right now out there on the open market, Tennessee's linebacker Avery Williamson. He's an inside linebacker. Minnesota defensive tackle Tom Johnson. Cincinnati tight end Tyler Eifert and Philadelphia tight end. Trey Burton. Now, I don't got to tell you guys a whole lot about Tyler Eifert. He is a given in terms of what the Dolphins look for. He checks off all the boxes in terms of prerequisites required to play tight end in Miami, and that is you have to have a medical report longer than your career highlight film, which is obviously a slight at the Dolphins' front office. But you also can think back to when Brent Grimes came over from the Atlanta Falcons in the 2013 offseason, he had an Achilles injury that was thought to be potentially career-threatening, but he comes over, resurrects his career, has two really good years for Miami, and then gets himself another contract from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after his play fell off Miami. But that's something the Dolphins could look at with Tyler Eifert try and resurrect his career and get him back healthy and playing again but Trey Burton the Eagles tight end Cameron Brate signed to the Buccaneers today an extension for six years 41 million dollars so just under seven million dollars per year 18 million guaranteed so if you're looking at Trey Burton you probably have to figure he's going to be right in that same range in terms of getting six to seven million dollars per year so if the Dolphins want to go big on tight end market that's going to be what it costs them but if they want to go for more of a bargain type of deal, Tyler Eifert seems like the exact perfect fit for the Dolphins in terms of what they've been doing in recent years. I don't know if I like it. I mean, if, if you get the player back, I would love it, but if that's going to happen, I, I just don't know. And the other two guys we talked about, Tennessee linebacker Avery Williamson at ProFootballFocus.com. I went and looked at some of his notes and stats there. He was right around mid-range. Definitely one of the better run-stopping linebackers in the league. That's what he's going to be is a run or interior linebacker, I should say. He had 62 solo tackles last year and missed 10 so he misses 1 out of every 7.2 potential tackles. For some comparisons, Luke Keekly had 95 and missed 11, so about 1 out of 9. C.J. Mosley from the Baltimore Ravens had 130 and missed 9. He was the best rate in the NFL, 1 out of every 13 tackles he missed. And then a guy that just got traded to the New York Giants from the Los Angeles Rams, Alec Ogletree, had 76 tackles and missed 15 of them, so he's about 1-4. So that kind of gives you an idea of where those guys are in terms of what they can do as tacklers. And Avery Williamson's one of the better ones in terms of getting to the ball and getting the ball carrier down. So that's the thought there, is trying to replace kind of what Ray Malaluga was last year. And he turned down... Avery Williamson, that is, turned down a four-year, $12 million contract extension from the Tennessee Titans. So it sounds like the Dolphins are going to have to do better than $3 million per year to get him to be a B-gap, to B-gap run defender. And like I said, a guy that's not going to do a whole lot in coverage. The other name was the Minnesota defensive tackle, Tom Johnson. Now, he is 34 years old, but has been a very good contributor to the Minnesota Vikings defensive line for a number of years. If you look at some of his production, it comes from the passing game. And that's what the Dolphins want to do. They kind of want to mimic that Philadelphia Eagles defensive line and a line that can kind of create pressure on the quarterback and get you more from a passing game production more than running game production. Hopefully the linebackers can go ahead and provide some of that in terms of stopping the passing game or the running game I should say but as a pass rusher last year he had two sacks nine quarterback hits and 20 quarterback hurries. The nine hits were fifth in the NFL among defensive tackles so he's a one-year stopgap type of guy that could really alleviate some of the pressure from guys like Vince Vincent Taylor and Devon Gotcha, who might be more run stuffing defensive lineman. He can be a guy that comes in with Jordan Phillips on third down and rushes the passer from the interior there. So that's a guy to look at. And all three of those names have been linked to the Miami dolphins. I should say all four of those names, Avery Williamson, Tom Johnson, Tyler Eifert, as well as Trey Burton. So keep an eye on some of those guys. And we will have plenty more free agency talk throughout the course of the week for you guys in the lockdown dolphins podcast, but going forward now talking about some potential draft day moves, Everybody out there seems to really want a crack at Baker Mayfield. And the Dolphins have been putting out every hint imaginable to the media talking about their desire to get Baker Mayfield or maybe one of the quarterbacks in this draft class. But the Buffalo Bills just made a trade today involving left tackle Cordy Glenn. He will now go to the Cincinnati Bengals. But in the trade, the big move is the Buffalo Bills go from pick 21 to 12. So they now have picks number 12, 22, 53, 56, and 65. So they are five picks in the top 65, two of those in the first round. And if the Dolphins want to make a trade up to go get a quarterback, which is going to be what they're going to have to do because there are four quarterbacks that are going to go top 10. I have been telling you guys that for a long, long time now. And if the Dolphins want to get a crack at one of them, they're going to have to go way up in the draft to go ahead and get the guy they want. Baker Mayfield might go first in the draft. You never know. We'll see what happens. But if you're going to want to go up and get him, it's going to cost you some first round picks in the future. It's going to cost you your second round pick this year. I just hope you guys are prepared that if we go and get a quarterback, it's going to cost a lot of draft capital. And this rebuild thing is going to be completely in the works as the Dolphins cannot add any really immediate starters with their high round draft picks going forward if they make a move for the quarterback. So Ryan Tannehill probably would be a part of that trade, but just to let you guys know the Buffalo Bills are making their moves to go up. It's already been set in motion. The Arizona Cardinals could do the same thing. The New Orleans Saints have been talking about Baker Mayfield. It's going to be a lot of competition to go up and get these quarterbacks. So if you want to do it, just be prepared to give up a lot of draft picks in the process. We have one more segment here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, the Twitter mailbag at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown fins
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: So last week I left you guys kind of high and dry on the Twitter mailbag. I had 32 responses in my inbox. And I'm not going to get to the ones today that are no longer relevant in terms of talking about Jarvis Landry trades and that type of thing. But we do have some more questions to get to. Let's go ahead and jump into those right now. The first question comes from Ken, at KenK1084. Do you think Miami can find a trade partner for Andre Branch? I don't. I think his contract is unbelievably bad for a player of his caliber. He is not a good pass rusher. He's not a good run defender. He doesn't really do a whole lot in terms of giving you high production on, high, on a high level of reps. He's a backup at best. That's what he was in Jacksonville. Has one good year in Miami and then parlays it into a nice fat contract for himself. No one's going to take that contract on. So unfortunately, the Dolphins will be stuck with him. Next question comes from Dr. Nice at DJ Nice 16 Any chance we move on from Mike Pouncey, I would say that they're not going to at this point. I think it's a possibility, but I think that he's one of those leaders in the locker room they've been talking about in terms of doing the right things and conveying the right message. And Adam Gaze loves Mike Pouncey. They've been kind of talking about him positively for a long time now. So I don't think he will go. I wish he would, or at least at a contract reduction, but I think he will be with the Dolphins in some capacity in 2018. Next question comes from Marcus Frazier at Marco Great. He asks, do you prefer a front office that is willing to make all types of deals or one that is more conservative? I just think that there's value in every single aspect of the offseason, whether it's trades, free agency, or the draft. You just have to find the right value. So like you know, he was a great player, but he was never going to be worth the $20 million they were paying him because unless you have players around him that can – fulfill the run defensive fits as well as rush the passer you know to, to kind of compliment what he does then he's not going to be worth it I put it up on Twitter today on my timeline some some video clips of him getting washed out of the run game or getting placed screened away from him you can scheme against defensive tackles so his value was not great meanwhile you have guys like the Brent Grimes contract a few years ago it was a fantastic value one of those one-year prove-it type of deals, and it really worked out for the Dolphins and Grimes. Marcus also asks if there's any interest in Allen Robinson. Absolutely. I would like to see maybe just clearing the deck of Ndamukong Su be for a move like that. I think Allen Robinson's awesome and would be a great fit for the Miami Dolphins. Next question comes from Noah Urbanski at Nurbanski54. What do you think the front office and gay see in Pouncey that differs from PFF slash Bleacher Report 1000 slash watching the film... I think that they see a guy that can excel in pass protection, a guy that gets them in the right... Protections and alignments most of the time, and he's not a guy that's going to excel in the running game anymore. Have that elite athleticism, but he definitely is a guy that has some value in the locker room. So maybe that's what they see. I don't agree with them, but that's kind of where they're going for. Next question comes from Joey Bagodirt at Twitter six six five. Any thoughts on whether Miami should start playing three safety formations? I think either Jones or McDonald could play a linebacker role and immediately prove improve tight end and running back coverage. Absolutely, that's why I've been on the Derwin James. Bandwagon all offseason so far. I think either he or Mika Fitzpatrick would do wonders for this defense, helping them both in third and longs and red zone defense. So absolutely, I think they should. Next question comes from Ricardo Hernandez at Ricardo nine six four five one one eight two. Sounds like a phone number. Give him a call if you want to. Will losing Jarvis Landry undermine Ryan Tannehill's chance to have that elite season for which everyone's been looking? I don't think that Jarvis Landry is the type of guy that you point to and say. He was what the offense or he was the train that drove the offense. I think he you have plenty of guys in the league that can do that, wide receivers that are elite, can beat double coverage, can win against bracket coverage, can win on third and long in the red zone. Jarvis Landry was never that guy. A very good player, definitely a security blanket, but I don't think that he ultimately will determine what Ryan Tannehill can or cannot be. And next question comes from Adolfo Valentino at the Secret Agent 3. Do you think Miami will actually draft a quarterback and which one is most likely? I think we're going to find out here in the next couple of days because the Dolphins have to find a backup to Ryan Tannehill if they do not plan on going all-in for Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or whoever it might be. So I think they will because the free agent market might not play out the way they want it to. I think Riley Ferguson would be a great option out of Memphis. He's 6'4", can spin the ball, has great touch and accuracy, so look for him to possibly come off the board on day two, maybe even early day three. Next question comes from Steve C. at Stevie Splash one one. How much more time does drafting a quarterback in round one buy for Tannenbaum, Greer, and this front office ends the win now mentality if they trade Ryan Tannehill? That's a great question. I think that Steven Ross has always been slow to fire or hire new guys, whatever the case may be there, because he shows a lot of loyalty. I mean, Joe Philbin got four years here. There's no way Adam Gaze gets left less, less than that. Because if you guys recall, Simon Clancy on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, he said that Steven Ross loves Adam Gaze. He is absolutely enamored with him. He views him as his next Don Shoeless. I don't think the coaching staff is going anywhere anytime soon. And Mike Tannenbaum is real close with him, so I don't know if that's going to change either. And then Chris Greer has had some good draft class, so I don't really see how he gets departed either. So if they do draft a quarterback, it definitely buys some time. I just do not know how much time. And we got two more questions. Second to last one here is from Christian Green. Ask, what's the best thing to do with Kiko this year? Play more nickel and dime? I think you have to get Kiko... Closer to the line of scrimmage. He is better when he has a gap to fill in an assignment he knows in front of him. When he is backpedaling in coverage, his change of direction skills really hamper what he does. So whatever you do... Get him out of those deep spot drops that have him chasing and looking for guys in the open field be the best way to get the most out of him. And last question here from Greg Larson at GSL Now, a longtime listener and writer into the show. Appreciate it, Greg. He asks, with Landry almost gone, so with Landry gone, what round should the Dolphins look to replace him? With the holes we have, trading down should be how high on the Dolphins' priority list? I think you can find a really good slot receiver slash plus receiver In that second round, I would love Christian Kirk at pick number 42. If not him, maybe Michael Gallup or Anthony Miller in the third round. I think all three of those guys would be great replacements, good hands catchers, good physical receivers. They bring the intensity that Jarvis Landry brought as well. And then trading down I think is my top priority at this point just because I want to have more picks in that mid-range Part of the draft, the second and the third round, because the Dolphins are a little bit strapped for cash. We obviously know that dealing with Dominic and Sue's release right now. They're going to have to find some contributors in that second and third round right away. So the more draft picks there, the better. So, big, big thanks to you guys for writing in the Locked On Dolphins Twitter and Mailbag. We'll get to more of those here in the near future as more news develops and you guys have more questions. But that's going to do it for tonight's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. And check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On And follow our flagship show on Twitter and Facebook at Locked On NFL. And of course, last but not least, LockedOnDolphins.com. I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose from Iron Dolphins football.